Welcome back to Autopsy of a Horror Movie. My name is Brucker, and today on the show, I am joined by Jasher Drake of the podcast Podzilla. We are resuming our Friday the 13th franchise uh, series review. This is Friday the 13th Part 3 in 3D from 1982. Hello, Jasher. Thank you so much for being on the show. How are you doing, man? Yeah, I am doing good. Excited to get back into the Friday the 13th series. I've been missing it. It's been way too long, but... um put this on last night gave it a watch watched it in 3d and very excited to talk about it oh my word you actually got to watch this in 3d yeah way back at the start of the year i I bought a copy um on blu-ray that had some 3d glasses so late last night myself and my best mate um that we're we're flatting with at the moment just decided to chuck it on and we had a blast so how was it how was the 3d did you feel immersed did you feel like jason was in your living room chasing you and all the yo-yo stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean I've, I've seen it before and i'm sure we'll get into it a bit later on but there's really specific scenes in it that they made to be 3d for the 3d experience so i've always missed that when i haven't watched it in 3d but yeah it was it was cool it was very retro with the red and blue i can't remember the last time i put on glasses like that and it's quite quite like off-putting just watching a movie <laughs> like that when you have it in such a long time since i was a kid but i liked it <laughs> that's interesting yeah this movie the, the 3d gimmick of this is kind of what stands out because i did not watch this in 3d i watched it in 2d yeah. like, like a plebe and it was it was always so obvious whenever you know they were framing something specific to be you know to be shot in 3D like the yo-yo stuff the stuff with the eyeball the baseball bats some of the kills were you know in 3D like an eye popping out or like the the arrow going through stuff so like yeah man that, that's like kind of cool and fun but it's also like a very cheesy corny gimmick <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know cuz i know a lot of uh, horror movies like since Friday the 13th part three have done the 3d like I know saw did saw the final chapter 3d That's I don't right. know if this was this the first do you know the I know like my bloody valentine the remake of that was in 3d uh however uh you asking this is the first this is the first movie to have a a, wide, a theatrical wide release in 3D. So that's very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so getting to Friday the 13th, part three from 1982, this movie was directed by Steve Miner, who also directed part two of this. And I believe that he's the only director to direct multiple Friday the 13th movies, which is quite interesting. Um, mm-hmm. This one... I'm, I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are about this one, because I have... Not, so, I don't have a very glowing review <laughs> of this movie. Um, it's it, it's it's campy, you know. It's 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 a very bare bones slasher, but I feel like there's not a lot there. There. Uh, what are your thoughts on Friday the Thirteenth Part Three? Well, have you seen this one before? Is this your first time watching it, or this is my second time watching it? All right. Yeah, I've seen it a couple times before, and I remember really loving it really digging it but this time around i feel like i might be a bit like you the it just feels very bare bones by the books uh the thing that stuck with me the most is just how much walking around and talking there is how many fake out scares there are like it must be like 10 20 times throughout this movie where the music will rise and you'll see someone's feet or you'll see someone's near someone and then it's just it's not jason it's just someone else or something random 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's not. This movie isn't very scary like the other ones. Like the other ones, you know, it, none of these movies are like super scary. I don't think, but like this one seems to be the least frightening so far uh, up to this point in the franchise. And I wonder if the 3D gimmick kind of hindered some of that because I I was kind of paying attention to this. There's so much of the plot and the story takes place during the day. It really is until like halfway through the third act or so when night comes it was when like stuff like really starts to ramp up which makes sense for a horror movie for you know that part of it but you know just th- things had to be so bright for the 3d technology to like work accurately when they were capturing all the footage and stuff so i i wonder if, like that kind of hurt it but even with that I, the story itself you know we're going we're not even at camp crystal lake we're at uh, higgins haven which i've played on that map several mm. times on the on the video game um, I just I, I don't know I just I just the characters weren't even very likable there weren't even very funny witty things they don't even feel like a good friend group like I'm like questioning how do they all know each other why are they all friends with each other like it, it doesn't make any sense really why is there two like hippies in their like 40s just hanging out with these kids smoking in the back of their van why <laughs> <laughs> and their and their names are Chuck and Chili, which I did not hear at all in the movie. <laughs> so funny, and even like the the farmhand who is Chris's love interest. What what was his name? Is it Rick? He looks real old too. He looks so much older than them. I I just really didn't get the dynamic. I didn't get the dyna- dynamic. I didn't get Chris's. So our final girl in this, her name is Chris. Her whole she has this really weird backstory with like, and there's kind of tease throughout the whole movie about how something weird and spooky happened to her at the, at the family cabin. She hasn't been back since and that was three years ago, but now she's just randomly deciding to go back. But in, like her backstory is that she got mad with her parents. She, she got in a fight with her parents, left, stormed out, went to the woods, took a nap <laughs> under a tree. And then Jason woke her up and they got into the skirmish. And then she says she blacked out, woke up alive in her house. What the fuck was all of this? I, I, were you following this? Did it didn't make any sense to you? I was hoping you could help me. I've never understood it. And it's, it's Jason, right? But that doesn't really even match up timeline wise because he should still be at Camp Crystal Lake at this point. Three years ago when she met him. Right, yeah, I, I, I don't understand <laughs> the, the geography here in New Jersey, because, like, I don't know how close Higgins Haven is to Camp Crystal Lake, and, like, is, is this, like, Jason starting to get territorial, and he's, like, trying to annex some, like, other campgrounds around Camp Crystal Lake? Yeah, it's crazy, it doesn't make sense, and he looks completely different, too, because I, if I recall, in part two, he's got, like, long hair, looks like a hillbilly. And then in this, all of a sudden, he's bald. He's, like, bigger and bulkier. And he looks the exact same as that in Chris's flashbacks. I don't know. I'm lost. I don't know what they're trying to do here. They didn't need a backstory for Chris like that. They didn't need to include it. No, no, not at all. They didn't. And it's also, like, what is this movie implying that Jason was trying to do right. with Chris? Right, like, yeah. I, the, the, uh, uh, it feels sinister. It feels sinister. It does. It's just weird. It is. But... Okay, so like I guess like getting away from Chris and this weird backstory that she has, uh, something that this movie I will like give it credit for. I do love how 
80 because th- this movie now feels like we're actually entering the 1980s a little bit in this because we get the that awesome 80s like mm-hmm. new intro music for for the movie It's so good. Uh, Manfredini just, you know, working his magic on this uh, score. The the costumes, the the biker gang all in leather and everything. Um, it's <laughs> the, the the hippie van is cool. So like all of that was kind of working for me. I, I did like I did enjoy all of that a lot. I was actually jamming out to that song before you hopped on here. It, it's a good one. <laughs> I was playing it during my workday today as well. Yeah, sitting back on the couch, stereo system bloom it stereo system booming with 3d glasses on just listening to that soundtrack <laughs> kick in with the words popping off the screen like maybe the best experience i've had with a movie in months you know just that that <laughs> that that part alone yeah i loved it and you're completely right this is getting into the era of like jason and friday the 13th that everyone knows and loves this is this is very much kind of like a departure from the first two getting a lot wackier, leaning into the 80s vibes of everything. Jason gets his hockey mask. There's a lot more of his kind of like iconic kills. Yeah, I, I do love the direction they went with for this one. I just think it could have been done a lot better. Yeah, it definitely needed an improved script, I think, just to like flesh out the characters, make them a little bit more likable. And you're right, we haven't mentioned that yet, that this is, you know, Jason has now fully evolved. He's at his final form, you know, as to what, pop culture knows knows him as you know with like the the green shirt the the boots the jeans the machete and the 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 final piece which is the hockey mask Mm -hmm. um does that mean that this movie is the most influential friday the 13th movie because of that because that is like the iconography that the rest of the world has for this franchise yeah i think so and it was funny because i i was reading up a bit about why they chose the hockey mask specifically and it's actually the 3D supervisor for this film thought that it would just look cool in 3D. So they chose a hockey mask. Jason ends up with it. So it's kind of weird that the 3D gimmick is the reason that Jason is so iconic as he is with the mask. Oh, wow. That's crazy. I, I did not know it was the 3D supervisor. Wow. That's very cool. Yeah. And also, like, it's like one of those very serendipitous things, you know? He's just like, I don't know. Let's just do a hockey mask. Yeah. Cool. And... <laughs> I'm very happy that they went with that and not like another sports helmet, like a football or lacrosse helmet, because I don't know, there's just something, it's something about like the hollow eyes, right? And there's no like mouth for expression. So it's kind of like getting back to like that Michael Myers thing. So it's this kind of blank thing, but it's, it's spooky. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I cannot imagine Jason's face just running at you in a, in a football helmet that it's still probably pretty scary, but probably very scary. Um, I, I did see that the original script for this, and I'm kind of like wondering how much time did they like actually have to like get all this done? Because, you know, Friday the 13th, part one is 1980, part two is 1981. This is now part three, 1982. You know what? Let's maybe space that out a little bit, Paramount. I know that you're greedy and like you want your money in part two is a huge success, but maybe if we just like waited another year, we could have really cooked this a little bit longer because I think because they had a a good original idea for the script and the original idea, which is you and I kind of spitballed about 
in our part two episode, which that it kind of focused back on Jenny. Oh, really? And uh, but not Jenny being like the Doctor Loomis character as we talked about. Um, it focused on Jenny in that like she was now like in the sanitarium, traumatized from the events of part two, and she's like working through her things. But then Jason somehow finds his way to that sanitarium and just stalks her and like kills everybody. And like the whole movie takes place there. A la very much like Hall- Halloween Part Two for, with, with with Jamie Lee Curtis. That sounds awesome. Give me that movie. Yeah, that that sounds right, way more original than what they did here. But you're right. That does kind of sound like Halloween. And I did even notice in this one, a lot of the shots with Jason just walking in and out of sheets, and you're seeing him silhouetted for a lot of the movie, and he's appearing in random places. This already felt so inspired by Halloween already. So, I don't know. It does seem like they're running out of ideas at this point, and we're only three movies in. Yes, it does feel like they're running out of ideas at this point. And like you said, like, you know, we've kind of talked about how, like, Cunningham wanted to yeah. kind of, like, copy the formula of Friday, of, uh, I'm sorry, of Halloween. And they're even kind of doing that here with, like, their, you know, part two was kind of, like, equate that to really, like, Halloween part one, and that, like, it's slasher villain Jason is being presented here. And now part three or like its sequel is a lot like Halloween part two, which came out the year prior to this movie. And that it's picking right back up where we left off is continuing the story. It's even like the same night as when we open up and the original idea was very much like Halloween too, but like they kind of pivoted a little bit. Uh, so it's, it's, just, it's kind of funny how much those two franchises, or at least this franchise steals from Halloween <laughs> every now and then. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that stuck out big time to me this this watch through. So, I know that we've kind of talked about the characters in this movie, but... I feel like I really got to talk about the character of Shelly before we move yeah. on to anything else in this. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, he's pretty insufferable, right? Like, I don't think anybody likes him. Do you like Shelly? I could not stand Shelly. I don't know if it was just a mixture of... A, it was like his character, but then it was also just the acting. I, I just can't stand the guy. I, <laughs> he makes all the wrong decisions, makes all the wrong choices. He's finally getting on... Um, he's finally getting on Vera's good side, and then he goes and stuffs that up again. Yeah, I, I just, I can't stand the dude. I, and I know they're going for, like, the, the boy who cried wolf kind of spin on it, that he's constantly freaking people out and he's being annoying to the point that they don't really believe him when he is dead or when it's not him and it's Jason instead. But, yeah, I can't stand the guy. I can't. Yeah, I mean, good point with the cry wolf thing, because, like, yes, that does pay off at some point in this, but I didn't even, like, really think about, like, that was intentionally yeah, set up. Yeah. <laughs> For him, and it's it's weird that it's because of him that he that that Jason yeah. gets the mask that he has, isn't it? Uh, he it felt like that this movie was also stealing from Texas Chainsaw Massacre because yes. with the van and all of them in there, and Shelley was a lot like Franklin in my opinion from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the the Sally's brother in, in the wheelchair. He's very like self deprecating. Mm-hmm. He's like nobody likes me. Blah, blah, blah. He's like very much the fifth wheel to everybody there. Um, it's uh, it, 
God, I I just couldn't stand him in this movie. <laughs> yeah, what was up with his like little case that he carries everywhere? Because that he had multiple masks in there. Did he bring the spear gun in the wetsuit, or did he just find that? I like he's he's just got this like little cabinet of curiosities <laughs> of like a million different costumes he can switch into. I- he is Mary Poppins, yeah, you know. Yeah. He's the Mary Poppins of like these horror props. <laughs> <laughs> God, but yeah, in. He stinks, and honestly, like the rest of the characters are very forgettable. Um, I mean, the only reason I remember him is because of how annoying he is. But like Chris, our final girl, is kind of forgettable. Yeah. Rick is kind of forgettable. Uh, the only thing that's memorable about Andy is that every now and then he decides to do a random handstand. Yeah, which is interesting, I guess. Uh, yeah, and again, I and again, I think that was just because they had a cool idea for his death, right? Just Jason like cutting him in half while he's upside down. So they kind of just set that up earlier on and made that little character trait for him. Yeah, I, I could kind of see like Steve Miner be like, I don't know, okay, what do you, what do you got? What, what kind of tricks and, and stuff that can, <laughs> can you do? You can do a handstand? Okay, we'll fit that in somehow. Uh, and apparently the actors were saying that they weren't hired or cast based on acting ability, which is like no shit. Um, mm-hmm. But they were all kind of like based on like what tricks could they do into the camera so that way it would look good for 3d like who could yo-yo real well oh wow um and like and things like that so that's what they were going for yeah it's jason's not the best here either and it's funny that this is his him at his most iconic <laughs> and he's very lackluster he's only in it mostly for the end the 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 last act of the movie and he's kind of just lumbering around doing nothing looking stupid <laughs> I, I did like some of the stuff with him. Like, I, I do like how uh, Chris tries to hang him and then he, like, he surprises her by still being alive. And then when he gets killed, but not killed by her at the end, he's, like, grasping out again for that 3D effect. But it, it is this real cool, iconic image of him that I liked. It is. I will say that one of the strengths of this movie, I mean, it's, it, it's silly at times, but is that, Chris fighting back. I mean, there's a lot of fighting back in this movie that is interesting. Like, Chris, yeah, Chris does like a pretty decent job at that, and we kind of get a very, 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 very short fight with Jason and Ollie in this, um, <laughs> which was kind of comical that Ollie randomly comes back. I guess Jason didn't actually kill him or missed. I, I, I don't know, but he comes back for two seconds just to die. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, just to get his hag cut off. Yeah, and, and speaking <laughs> of Ollie and Fox and like the rest of the biker gang, what, what did you think of the addition of the biker gang in this movie? I like, I like them. Yeah, it, it does very much fit to that '80s vibe of what a lot of other media and movies were including in their stuff those days. But I liked them. I don't think they used them enough because they don't really pos- they don't really cross paths with the main crew after that altercation at the mall or not at the mall at the gas station uh and they're kind of just screwing around doing their own thing swinging off ropes uh just messing around in that barn i don't think they were used to what they could have been used for but again they they steal some of the fuel from the car they set up events later on when chris tries to get away in the car and they they added something to it at least very comical scene when shelly's trying to drive away from from them at the mall i keep calling it a mall it's just a small little gas station at the gas station yeah no it's it's interesting it feels like i mean it's something that really sticks out from this movie something that i always think of whenever i think Mm. about part three is that biker gang 
And it feels like that they were like, okay, there's a lot of daytime stuff in this, but we can't necessarily show Jason yet. So yeah. we need another antagonist just to like throw some danger in there too. Yeah, yeah, that's what it feels like. But you are absolutely right in that they do drive like certain plot points with them siphoning the gas and Chris being stranded on, on that bridge, which which did set up a good moment of tension, I think. Yeah, totally. I mean, you're right with what you said before. Chris gets a lot of fighting back at that last act of the movie. And I actually really love her final girl circuit. It goes on for ages, but she has some really good moments against Jason, some really cool parts when she tries to drive away, but then the car stops on the bridge and then she's getting attacked there. And then I, I really love the last bit of the scene better this movie when it's just action 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 cool fight scenes cool gore and it feels like the whole movie was leading up to that i just wish that it was sprinkled in a little more um before then yeah no i totally agree with you i really enjoy the the the, the final girl circuit too and it it feels so reminiscent of the video game and i'm sorry i keep like going back to that yes no it, yeah <laughs> it, like, like you do all the same stuff that she does she's like opening closing doors to try to trick jason and she's in the closet, but she's too fucking loud. And she she, she even gets a, a, a moment where she picks up a weapon. She's able to fight back, stun him for a little bit, go to another room, jump out the window, which is something that we all do. We jump out the window. We, hop, yeah. we also, then we pick up a new weapon, wait for him, stun him again, get in the car, and he traps us in the car, and he teleports in this one now. That's, what, that's like where we get that, too. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it, 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 it was... It was very fun seeing all of that kind of play out. It's like, oh, wow, this feels just like the video game. <laughs> yeah, they must have taken inspiration from this movie more than the others. Because I'm completely with you. Me and my friend watching this have both played the game. And just throughout the whole throughout the whole movie, we were picking up on things that just reminded us so much of it. The musical cues, the exact moment the music goes off when Chris is hiding or when she, when she sees Jason. It's just... I, I love it. I got a huge kick out of it. It's great. Honestly, it, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I think Chris is in the game too, right? And so is Fox and so is the hippie. Oh, yeah, you're right. Chuck. Yeah, yeah. All of them are in that. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like... Oh, and Shelly. Oh, yeah, that's right. Shelly is not... Great. I don't... I can't remember what his perks are, but yeah, I, I never yeah. play a show. Yeah. <laughs> he might as well not be in the game for me. Oh man, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's a lot of fun. It, uh, I will say that the practical effects, you know, outside of the 3D, I know that's like something that I kind of complained about with part two. Is that like, you know, I really felt like we're missing Tom Savini. We're still missing Tom Savini. You always are, but the uh, the like the kills themselves and how gory and graphic they were, it felt like a little bit of a step up from part two. I I enjoy the kills more in this one than I did in part two. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. And <laughs> what did you think of Rick's kill when Jason grabs his head and squeezes it and it just <laughs> switches to a complete, like, super fake looking model and the eye pops out? I, it looks so dumb, but I, I love it regardless. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a little, it's, it's a love-hate thing. Like, I love the idea. Like, everybody loves a good head squeeze, right? But yeah, it does look yeah. very much like, like a mall mannequin. <laughs> doesn't it yeah 100 <laughs> percent. so you know I, I i give them kudos for wanting to get a head head squeeze in there and it's also terrifying too just like this you know just some man hands on you just that are going to kill you it's, it's not the machete it's there's he's just going to squish you like a grape <laughs> bird force yeah yeah totally yeah and i always love the the quick during that moment when he's squeezing the head the quick shot to his hanging his dangling feet and you see he has like these Nike shoes with a blue swoosh mark with like the blue swoosh. 
which I always I always love the blue swoosh. I was like, God, I've never seen shoes like that IRL. I've always been wanting to find these blue Nikes, but I always thought that those were super cool. Uh, Rick head trip. Love it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, it's great. But um, I think wait, one last thing I wanted to kind of mention or bring up before we get into the categories is that I rather enjoyed a lot of the stuff in the barn uh, in this movie because there, there's a lot of good, there, there's a lot of fights in there. There's a lot of running around. Uh, I will forgive the movie for kind of doing this cheesy kind of lazy thing of Chris just losing her strength and falling from, from the beams on, and hitting Jason with her butt. I know. I but know. W- whenever we, we were up like in the barn, whenever they were up in the loft, like where the hay was and like fighting and stuff, that to me kind of like it felt like a callback to part one with the prologue where like uh, the very two first kills from like the 50s when Pamela Voorhees right, goes yeah. and kills those two. Because it looked like a similar space where those two camp counselors were making out. It felt like a cool callback to that. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. And, and you're right. The barn stuff was great. The deck is a cool set piece that's quite unique from what we've seen so far. Yeah, I loved how we keep coming back to that and learnt where things were and how how the barn worked and yeah, just just the how the location worked. We learnt that throughout the movie. I I really loved just just rattle off a couple of my last notes here. I really loved the three D stuff. I've probably talked about it too much already, <laughs> but at the start, the TV antenna, uh, the snake that pops out. Oh, I forgot there was about the yo yo. The juggling the popcorn was really great when that's popping up at you um, when Chuck's, Chuck's making the popcorn. I, yeah, there were just so many scenes that were really cool to finally see them in proper 3D. And yeah, I, I think that the 3D supervisor, if, he, if all he contributed to Friday the 13th was the 3D scenes in this movie and the hockey mask, he might be, he might be, one, of the, he might be one of my favorite Friday the 13th creators. Oh, wow. That's a lot of stuff. I still want to give... I, I love that. I love that that guy is immediately jumping to like your favorite Friday 13th influencer. I think I'm still going to give so much credit to the guy that wrote the, the interaction between Kevin Bacon and the cop from part one, because it was like a specific writer that wrote that interaction. Oh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that discussion. That's an all-timer. That's an all-timer. Yeah, yeah, complete banger. Love it. Did you, did you catch... Did you catch that little Godzilla cameo as well? In I was going to bring this up <laughs> later on, but let's go ahead and talk about it here. There's this awesome Godzilla cameo. Uh, do, do you want to tell the folks about it? Because you are the Godzilla expert here on the show. <laughs> yeah, well, let me just push my glasses up real quick, guys. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the characters is reading Fangoria, and it's just this real cool scene when, I, I, I guess everyone, probably if they're listening to Autopsy of a Horror Movie, will be aware with Fangoria, this kind of pop culture magazine with an emphasis on horror. And it opens up, you, we kind of can read over our shoulder for a little bit, and we see that there's an article on Tom Savini in there, which was really, really cool, first off. And then we see an article on the uh, Godzilla movie, Godzilla vs. Megalon. And I don't know, it was just a fun little thing that I didn't remember or expect. That is, I, I love that. As soon as I saw that, I thought of you. Uh, just out of curiosity, have you seen that movie <laughs> or covered that at, at any capacity? No, but it is one of the last ones we're going to be covering before the end of the year. So lines up pretty nicely. 
Ooh, very cool, very cool. Yeah, everybody be sure to check out Podzilla. Links in the show notes, of course. Uh, Jay Sure, was there anything else before we get into the segments? I think that was pretty much all on my list, except for that the dream sequence at the end, which was oh a bit uh, a bit strangely tagged on. However, I did just love the imagery of Jason's face peering at her through the window and running straight at her. Like that's one of my that's one of my nightmares. So a nightmare is just a creepy looking dude or a monster or something just running straight at you. I love that. And then Pamela jumping out of the end, worms coming out of her face. Disgusting. Cool imagery. Very cool imagery. Yeah, yeah no, you're right. Yeah, the whole final dream stuff. I mean, like, I guess that's like a staple now. I, I don't know if, the, if it continues for like the rest of the franchise, but... Uh, the 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 movie bookends. It, it's it's keeping up with the other sequels I've done so far in this franchise. It has five minutes of the last movie at the beginning of it, and then a five minute dream fake out at the end as well. That's how they like to bookend their movies <laughs> in the Friday Thirteenth universe. <laughs> yep. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into some of the categories. We'll start off with an easy one, which is the subgenre categorization. As we've talked about before, a lot of these Friday the 13th movies are kind of like a subgenre unto themselves, unto themselves. But it, there's like some variety, but you know, it's obviously like an eight, like a very bare bones 80 slasher um, with the like specific like plot of this movie is that like it's at Higgins Haven. So we're not at a camp anymore. We're at a family estate. This is like a family cabin. And the scariest things in this movie is Jason breaking into the cabin and like wreaking havoc. So can we say that this mm-hmm. is a Friday the 13th movie that kind of plays like a home invasion movie? That's what I wrote down. I wrote down home invasion because I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> love that and besides jason you're also getting the biker gang too that's like doing all sorts of shenanigans and stupid shit around the property as well so it's a it feels more like that because it's not so much as these teenagers or youths going to an abandoned camp crystal lake where something happens they're just going to like their friend's cabin yeah yeah it's it's and i that's something i like about this movie is that it is just a really smaller locale which you learn to know where everything is the barn the little wharf the house and what's underneath the house when uh chuck goes to check the electricity later on it's just very it's a well-rounded location and it makes it even funner when you see jason coming and attacking it at the end Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Also love the alliteration of Higgins Haven. I don't know why, but it's it's kind of catchy. It's a very catchy name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't really have much besides that it's a Friday the 13th slasher movie that plays like a home invasion movie. I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of at end of my notes there for the subgenre categorization. Did you have anything else? No, nah, I think that's I think that's the best I think that's the best we can do for it. It's very by the book slasher, I'd say, more so than the other two. Yeah, it doesn't leave a whole lot else to play around with. And you keep saying by the book. Let's call mm-hmm. it by by the brochure. This is it didn't take a whole lot of stuff for us to play with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, you know, okay. So let's go ahead and get into the fear analysis. Shelly, enough is enough. 
let's go ahead and get into the fear analysis portion of this podcast. According to Dr. Carl Albrecht, there are five types of fears that humans share psychologically, and those fears are the fear of extinction or death, mutilation, body invasion, loss of autonomy, separation, abandonment, or rejection, and then humiliation, shame, worthlessness, i.e. the death of ego. So, Jay Sher, would you like to start us off with the, some of the types of fears that you're getting from this movie? Yeah, well, well, the two I wrote down, I'm sure there's probably a few more, but I wrote down mutilation. It's Friday the 13th. What mm-hmm. do you expect? And then I also wrote down abandonment, just specifically with Chris's fear of being left alone uh, because of her experience she had with Jason in the past. There's multiple times in this that she's just freaking out that she's going to be left alone, the people are going to leave her, and then ultimately she is left alone. Oh, very good. Yeah. So to your first point with the mutilation, this one is definitely mutilation way more than part two, I think is Mm because part two's kills are pretty clean for the most part. And this one, I mean, like heads are being crushed. There's eyeballs being poked out. There's stuff going through eyes. There's there's a needle going through someone's face in this. A dude gets cut, like bifurcated vertically. Um, yeah, it's, there's, there's a lot of trauma, bodily harm and trauma in this movie and it's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it is awesome. And watching it in 3d, seeing the weapon poke back out at you after the, after the kill has been done. Yeah. Beat it. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's a nice little touch to that. And also going, leaning more into the mutilation is that this is the most, I believe, something the most of Jason's face that we actually see and his face is all mangled and shit. So there's a lot of like, yeah. Oh, this hulking mangled beast is after me. Like there's kind of like that too, uh, playing into it as well. Yeah. Off track, but his face is so mutilated and his neck is like so veiny and just huge. So much so that he, (laughs) he survives being hung just because his neck's so thick. (laughs) doesn't even affect him you can't strangle jason i've never thought of that's why he survived the hanging i thought it was just the movie but no you're right his (laughs) fucking neck is a tree trunk and it's just like you can't cut this (laughs) you can't get this that's almost a fear unto itself just he's got such a huge neck it's scary big necks yeah it's it's like when you go to the gym and you see the dudes like the huge traps it like goes from their shoulder to their earlobe it's like you're done you're done dude i don't know what else you want yeah that's jason (laughs) Yep. <laughs> Fucking lifting weights. Love it. Um, for, that's a really good point that you brought up for Chris with her being this, uh, having this fear of separation, because that's something I didn't pick up on. But no, that's a very good point. I, in line with that, though, with the rejection, I definitely had Shelly exhibiting that fear yeah. a lot, but it doesn't necessarily, I mean, it plays into the plot and that, like, it makes him an asshole and kind of a pariah and it makes him go off. And that's how, like, Jason gets him. But it, he's kind of, I don't really feel like the. I mean, it, are we supposed to like say like Shelly is like the surrogate Jason? Like like was Jason an equal pariah as Shelly was, and that's why Jason was able to go off swimming by himself because nobody liked him because he was a whiny little kid like Shelly, and thus being the perfect parallel as to why Shelly transcends the mask to Jason because they are the same. <laughs> Brucker, I think you've cracked it, dude. I, I, I have never thought of it like that, but you're on to it. Yeah. Did, did, did we just we're... crack this movie? <laughs> I think so, because you're right. Jason's just always... Um, I said Jason, but I was meeting Shelly. There we go. Shelly's just always talking about how much he hates how he looks, 
how much people don't like him, how he's always left by himself. And Jason very much, he didn't look like everyone else did. He was always off by himself. Uh, I think you're onto it. I think you've done it. Oh, man. I, I just thought of that right now. And with Shelley, he has a, I know we're not in the quote section or anything, but he has a quote that I think maybe supports that argument now that I'm thinking about it, because he mm. says, because uh, uh, Vera says, you know, why you got to be such a jerk? And he says, it's better to be a jerk than a nothing. And it's like, is that the thesis of this movie? Is like, is that what Jason's all about? Like, he's just like, I'm going to be the biggest a-hole. I'm going to be the biggest jerk as opposed to being a nothing. <laughs> is, is that the thesis of this movie? Wow. It's better to be a jerk? Yeah. That's it. That's the tagline. <laughs> Friday 13th, part three. It's better to be a jerk. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, outside of those two things, I had the fear of death as well, which really ties into all, all the mutilation stuff. But outside of that, I didn't really see too much else. I mean, there's maybe something there with, like, you know, losing, like, you know, the loss of pregnancy and things like that. Because we, for some yeah, reason, have, have Debbie, Debbie and Andy are like the couple in this, and Debbie is pregnant. And they bring that up a bunch in this movie, but I, to, did, did you get anything out of her being pregnant and like why that was important to this movie? Or like did it come across as meaning anything more than just, oh shit, Jason killed a pregnant woman? Yeah, I, I, it's such a weird thing to put into the movie. It doesn't add anything to it, and she just offhandingly says it a few times. I completely forgot that she was pregnant before I, I rewatched it. I don't know. I don't know why they put it in there. I think the movie also forgets she's pregnant because not that like pregnant women can't yeah. do this, but she's she is like the the male gaze eye bait for most of the or eye candy for for most of the movie because yeah you're right she's the only character that gets nude she's the only character like we're seeing like in in the bikini that's like shedding some skin this is oddly like a pretty sexless. Uh, Friday the 13th like the, the, this seems to be the less the least skeezy of them so far yeah it cuts away just before anything's about to happen and even when she's showering later on it's very tastefully shot so that she's always covering herself or always has a towel uh, yeah it was a surprise yeah it's interesting um, and you know what they give something for the ladies too in here because we see Rick shirtless working in the barn <laughs> I mean you know what you know, the, that dude had a bod. He was he was working it. Yeah. What is he saying when he's he's working in the bod like that? He says something to Chris like, "How about we just make an agreement right now that we put three hours aside each day just to fulfill our needs?" Yeah. The, <laughs> the dude was extremely toxic in this movie. He was very manipulative. Yeah. He was very much like, "Babe, you're giving me blue balls, and it's your fault. And I'm mad at you for it." Like it was just like, "Dude, shut the fuck up." Like, like, he, he was very manipulative. He, he sucked. I'm glad he got his head crushed. <laughs> he absolutely sucked. I don't know what Chris is doing with him. And it, it sounded like they hadn't seen each other since, like, last time she was here at the house last summer. Like, she just hook up with him every year whenever they come to see the family home. I, I, it's so dumb. And the fact that he's already in the house and he grabs her by the neck to kiss her when she first yeah. walks in. What the fuck, man? That's how you get fucking shot. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I I couldn't stand him. I couldn't stand him. Yeah, no. Uh, really, uh, honestly, I think the character I liked the most in this movie, it wasn't even Chris, it was Vera. And just because she was the least annoying and had like, 
I don't know. She was just the least annoying. She didn't do anything that made me hate her. <laughs> yeah, and she's actually the most compassionate as well. Like, you can see her actually trying to become friends with Shelly, even though he's being a complete imbecile. She's actually just being, like, a, a genuinely good person towards him and reacts to everything like a normal person would. I liked her as well. Very, very, very true. Um, so was there any aspect or scene in this movie that you found to be the scariest part of this? I... To be honest, it wasn't a scary movie. Yeah. I, there were definite scenes in the other ones that I felt were really good moments filled with suspense. This one, not really. I'll probably just say that last dream sequence, again, with Jason running at you and then Pamela randomly coming out of the water, like it, it was a little tense. I don't know. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, for me, I, I kind of like broke this up into like kind of like two categories. So the the scariest scene that like still makes me feel even like even though I know it's coming, it still makes me feel a little unsettled. It's what you were just talking about is that dream sequence, and it's Jason in the window, and it's so freaky that he doesn't have his hockey mask at all in this yeah. dream sequence. It, it was a cool creative choice, I thought. It was like get rid of the mask, just have him have like his show that bloody mangled face, and it's it's him in the window was fucking scary i don't know why but it just was mm -hmm. and him like running at her and everything uh and he's like smiling too it's very creepy yeah. um <laughs> outside of that uh there's a good jump scare when chuck goes down to the basement and when he turns on the light it illuminates jason who is behind him down in the basement and that was that was kind of cool i thought very cool shot um and then the last thing i had really was that this movie does a good job and is kind of stealing from part two. Again, it's the same director, but they did this a lot in part two. But they did a good job at whenever we did have chase scenes, showing that Jason is running. So like we have like our character running in the foreground, but you can see Jason is gaining on them in the background. And it's because it, it, it's kind of breaking that that rule of Michael Myers, how he just walks everywhere. We see Jason yeah. hauling ass in this movie, and it is terrifying. So, like, <laughs> I, I will give the movie props for having that in it. But you're right. This movie does not really scare me. Yeah, I love that you picked up on the running, because it just makes me think of the Friday the 13th game. Like, this Jason and part two are one of the only ones that can run in the game, whereas all the others lumber around like Michael Myers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it just depends, you know, where his stamina is at, which movie and everything. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. <laughs> um, so, do you want to move on to the Voorhees Awards? The Voorhees Awardies? I'm the Voorhees Awardies. I've been looking forward to this part. Is, is the first one the best key, key, key kill? Is that the... <laughs> it absolutely is. The, the, you seem excited. Do you, want to, do you want to start us off with that, Chaser? I am. I'm wonder, I wonder if it's going to be the same one, but my favorite kill and my favorite character was Vera. Just the way that she is shot in the face with the spear gun in 3D. I loved it. The, th the, the spear gun coming at you, the viewer, and then hitting itself into Vera. Her reaction and her scream's great. It's nicely, the location's real cool. She's in the water trying to find a wallet. And it just comes out of nowhere. Her thinking Jason is Shelly. That was my favorite. Oh, very good. I had that as my second favorite kill of the oh. movie. So, so we were close. Right. And it, it, I went back and forth a lot. But my favorite is Andy, the guy who gets split down the middle from the crotch. Uh, that was my favorite. Yes. And yep. it's cool because like, it was shot very cool because like, you know, they had him on this transparent 
platform, like this piece of glass or whatever, and they shot it from underneath. So it's kind of like this reverse bird's eye view. And they show it all. Like they show like yeah, wow. the, the blow go down and his body just hit the ground. And I love the payoff later where we see that Jason folded in like a suitcase and he's yeah. just like split open with his guts just hanging out uh, uh, on top of the roof and or the ceiling. And I believe that's when we get to the Godzilla cameo because it's his blood. I think that stains the the Fangoria magazine. So that one was my favorite kill. You're right. Yeah, that was brutal. And yeah, I loved how Jason sometimes has... And I love how Jason somehow has enough time between all his kills to like nicely prop him up above the hammock and nicely prop someone up in a closet and nicely like set everything up. <laughs> He's just like, Mama told me to, to leave it better than how I found it. So I'm putting it up here. Yeah, yeah. Good boy, Jason. Tidying. Good oh boy. Oh my God. <laughs> and, uh, that was, I don't know why, that was chilling hearing that come from your mouth. Uh, <laughs> And I love that Betsy Palmer <laughs> is back in this movie with the, the five-minute recap that we get at the beginning of yeah, this movie. Yeah, uh, It's great. Um, so <laughs> I, I had a hard time, but I did have a hard time choosing between him and Vera, but I chose Andy mostly for that payoff that we get with him folded up and everything. Um, I thought that I would have a case for Rick because it, it kind of like depends how you lean. Like, it's either the best kill or like the worst kill because of how cheesy it looks but like crushing a head's pretty cool too um (laughs) uh, yeah yeah the prop work and the actual like practical effects doesn't really match i think the vision they were going with mm -hmm. whereas if you try and see what they were trying to do a head getting fully crushed and you seeing the eye pop out I, thought, I probably sound like a broken record, but it did come together quite well in, in 3D, like it was intended, but mm-hmm. it doesn't look the greatest. I think my favorite, because if I could choose like a 3D kill specifically, I think my favorite use of 3D for a kill in this was actually the the woman at the beginning of this movie, like that gross old couple that like owns like this bodega or whatever. And oh my goodness. It, it's like the needle through the back of the head and it goes through the mouth and her hand and everything and like the needles like coming out i did rather enjoy that yeah i I completely forgot about that bodega couple at the start because that's like a 3d gimmick every minute with them for that first little bit of the movie (laughs) yeah it's very much like this is what you bought your tickets for folks yeah Yeah. um you want to move on to the (laughs) camp crystal lake campiest counselor award this is for the campiest (laughs) acting this this award doesn't make any sense really because i i I feel like i go back and forth each week about like who like i'm voting for it's not necessarily the best acting it's just who did like the campiest i guess who's your like your favorite oddest performance in the movie i guess is what it is but the campiest counselor award jacer the campiest counselor did you want to lead us off with this one yeah 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 sure i could go with this um (laughs) uh, i'm going to go with debbie Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm not. I'm not going to go with Debbie. I'm going to go with Chili, who is the girlfriend of Chuck in this. Um, Her screaming, oh my God, Shelly's dead. Like her, she has her own little mini uh, final girl circuit. Uh, it, it's pretty great. I, I, I do enjoy Chili in this movie. Yeah, no, I can totally see that. Yeah, that, that, that circuit she does and the acting, it's such a weird choice of a performance, but it's memorable. 
Yes. And the camera stays on her. Like, it's a long tracking shot. It's actually, like, a very cool, like, shot visually because, like, because the camera goes up and down that spiral staircase with her. And I love how, like, when the camera gets up to the top of the staircase and she goes into, like, the rest of the cabin, it just stays there. It's, it's really funny. The camera's like, just wait. She'll be right back. And she comes. She's like, oh, my God, everyone's dead. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. My my one actually I have here is the the I don't even know his name the dude at the start of the movie in the little store is is it Howard I think it starts with an H I think oh it, it might be Howard yeah or Harold 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 it's Harold that's it one yeah. of them yeah I just I just love just his whole I love his whole vibe you know just walking around eating things <laughs> putting them back do you drink on the toilet like him? <laughs> yeah what was that like minute long scene we have of him just pooping on the toilet uh i i loved him i just thought his performance was very fun i probably laughed at the start of this movie way too much he was disgusting i hated the sound design of the turds exiting his body and hitting the (laughs) toilet water it was the true scariest part of the movie was that sound design there yeah and he just it this dude has like the munchies or something because he is going around eating everything in his own little yeah. grocery store, uh, which was also gross because he drank out of an orange juice bottle and then put it back. on Yeah, the shelf. it's making me anxious now of like going grocery shopping, just wondering what people could have done to any of the items I'm picking up. Yeah, terrifying. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's 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 a real epidemic. Yeah, heralds need to be stopped, and Jason Jason's is, doing the Lord's yeah. work. Can I while we're talking about this couple? Can I also something that that's been happening in these movies that like you know the odd age differences and like the actors that they get for these couples that man the playing Harold he looks like he's got to be like in his 40s at least yeah. right and the person that they get to play his wife they they do they try to like you know they put like <laughs> curlers in her hair to make her look older and everything that actor was the the, the woman was 20 years old when she was oh shot my that. goodness and they're trying to make her they're trying to make her look like she's this old hag <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. It looks weird. I'm, at this point, I'm just not even paying it any mind. It's Friday the 13th. <laughs> Love your choices, Harold, for the campiest camp counselor. Um, for quotes, I, I didn't find this movie very memorable in the quotes category. I'm super struggling here, but I went with Chili again, her screaming, Shelly's dead. Oh, my God. Oh my god! That that, that that's yeah, what I have. That was awesome. The, the only other one that I have here was at the very start of the movie. Chris like breaks up everyone from talking about how much they're gonna get it on over the next couple of days, and she just says, "Six, six, six. You guys are getting boring, ain't you?" And I just felt like that was in a meta sense, just of like Friday the Thirteenth in general. It was quite a funny line to include because that's like what these are known for—just being sleazy ass. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a kind of like a funny like commentary. And how we just talked about this is the least skeevy, scummy. Yes, yeah. there's not a whole lot of sex in this. Um, a lot of the honestly, Jason seems to be mostly mad that they're smoking pot in this movie. Yeah, that's that's it, right? Because it. We've talked about it before, but he seems to go after people indulging themselves, not doing what they should be as camp counselors. And this is very far removed. They're not at a camp. They're not counselors. They're just some friends enjoying themselves. And they're just smoking. Yeah, the amount of smoke coming out of that van in that first scene, 
Man, must have got him annoyed. He smelt <laughs> it. He knew something was up. Followed them there. He had to put an end to it. So I love that you brought up the, the smoking from the van because, and again, this is a testament to how much just nobody seems like they're actually friends with each other, including these two hippies, Chuck and Chili. When we were, my wife and I were watching this last night, when they cut to, because they, they show it smoking, and they cut to those two stoners and they're smoking a bong. Yep. My, my wife was so was so convinced that they weren't friends. She goes, wait, so like they just, those people broke into their van and they just let them stay? <laughs> no, no, they were already in the van. <laughs> That's such a funny way to take it. But I, I mean, she's not wrong. Just the way they're introduced, the way it cuts to them like that, and the way that they're like surprised that smoke's coming out. It does set it up like, what are these two yeah. weirdos just doing climbing into the back of our van? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's so good. Um, moving on to the next Voorhees awardees is the best death acting, the best death performance. Um, I'm going to steal your girl, Vera. She was my favorite death acting in this. It's not over the top, you know, it's, it's a nice little thumbtack of a performance, but I love just like the face that she has and like the slow, uh, submersion into the water. I thought all that was very good. It was a lot better than the, I, what I took as like the comedic relief of Shelly's death or something like that. see that i'm actually gonna steal your girl as well with chili i don't know why i put her down for the best death performance the best death performance probably because it's just the most memorable to me but yeah her just walking through that house that weird like high-pitched talking she's doing and she's surprised by everything and then when the hot poker goes through it just the whimpering just just the, the little scream the noise she lets out it's not the best acting by any means but i i, I just love doing you're it never regardless. gonna get that yeah, from this, but uh, no, thank you for bringing that up because we, we need to give proper respect because it is a cool fire poker kill in this movie because, you know, we see how hot that is. It does the whole 3D yeah. thing. Like, here's this glowing thing. Um, watch mm-hmm. out. And then stabs right through her. Um, it's, it, it, it's great. The, the kills in this movie are actually pretty good. It's probably one of the strongest points to this movie are all the kills in it because none of them are boring i don't think yeah especially just talking about them now recording this i i'm finding myself appreciating them a lot more you're you're right they are creative the last Voorhees awardees is final girl talk so our final girl in this is chris uh do any thoughts about her you know like where 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 she kind of plays so far in the rankings of the final girls in friday 13th movies that we've seen so far Ah, thoughts about Chris. I she's definitely the weakest out of the final girls in the franchise to this point. She doesn't have much to do. The backstory stuff's still really weird. But I did, I will say that she shines with a performance at the very end of the movie, fighting back against Jason. Those are her best moments. The only real memorable moments with her, and she did a good job. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, like she she handles the the final moments very well with all because she has a very physical performance you know in this you know she has to be very active a lot of climbing a lot of hitting jason uh and yeah so you know 
I, I do appreciate that, but I mean, there's not just like a whole lot there, you know, you know, with, mm. with, uh, with Jenny, we got like this cool, you know, child psychology background and she was kind of, you know, using her wits to, to outbeat Jason and everything. And here she's just kind of <laughs> beating Jason and choking him into submission, which is kind of cool. But, uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I wish that we just had a little bit more there and you would think with, cause the whole movie sort of is trying kind of, I think to build up this whole, you know, her backstory with Jason, how like they've like met in the woods randomly or something like that. You would think that it would kind of build up to a more like, I guess like revenge fight or something like that. And, uh, I, I wish that we got like some sort of line of like her being like, remember me or, him recognizing her or just there's something have to have that pay off a little bit more i i would have yeah. liked that a whole lot yeah her finally protecting herself her finally getting over her fear just give us some sort of like crossfade with her fighting jason in the present while we see that um altercation she had with them in the past give us something you know to connect them a bit more because they it didn't pay off it didn't feel connected uh even though that's what yeah you're right it it feels like they were trying to do yeah i mean like her fight is cool i do love that she actually gets to try to hang jason um it's kind of badass and just just the image of just him hanging there is very scary like i don't know why it just is very scary and it works just wish that they were able to do more with the backstory that they were trying to build for her. Um, and that's going to do it for our Voorhees Awardees segment for Friday the 13th, Part 3. Congratulations, Chaser. We yes. made it. Um, Congratulations, Brucker. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very great nominee this time around. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was great. Um, let's move on to the message of the movie. This is where we kind of get to put on our tinfoil hats poke at this movie see if there's anything any weird interpretations or take-home <laughs> messages that we can get from this um i i kind of have two thoughts one of them i've kind of already elaborated on and but i i'm still kind of formulating this so maybe you could help me out with it so okay. i feel like that there's definitely something specific to this movie about parents and more about like the children neglecting their parents not 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 neglecting their parents but going against their parents because i mean th- this movie starts out with the kids picking up vera and her mom does not want her to go but vera yeah. just completely ignores her says like don't worry she'll be fine and she leaves and of course her weekend is terrible um and we also <laughs> get statement <laughs> yeah um and then we get the stuff with chris and how she says that like her whole backstory with jason originated with a fight she had with her parents and she leaves she gets she gets so upset she leaves the cabin and that's where she has an interaction with jason and then when she wakes up she's surrounded by her parents safe again and then i'm trying to figure out like how this movie is like what is trying to say with establishing those two things where like if you leave your parents you're gonna find james jason but if you wind up back to them you'll be safe and then this movie does the opposite, where in that dream sequence, the mother of Jason grabs her before Jason can even get to her and everything. So like, I'm trying to figure out, like, what is this? Is this trying to say anything about, like, kids going against their parents or how, like, your parents will keep you safe or, like, just youth ignoring the wisdom of 
of older people that might be giving the the movie too much credit by saying something like that. But uh, I feel like there might be some sort of thing there with that. I don't know. Yeah, you're getting a lot more out of this than I think I did. But you might be onto something just with the fact as well that Chris surrounds himself with people that could be your parents like Chuck and Chili. They're the right age, but Mm. they don't have any of the responsibility or aren't telling her things that her parents would tell her. They're just treating her as an equal and just not really... Yeah, they're not really parental figures, but they could kind of be replacing that. It's funny that she turns to people like that instead of listening to her parents. Yeah, it's interesting. And, like, the movie, it's also different from the other ones to where, like, these are very much just youths doing youth things. Like, like they don't... Mm. None of them have any sort of resp- role of responsibility. None of them have any sort of, like, you know... None of them are camp counselors, you know? Where the other yeah, two movies, yeah. they are camp counselors building up the camp or like training for it so like they all have like this role and it's when they start to actually break real rules of a slasher movie is when like shit starts to happen but here it's just kids getting out of the house for a weekend and that seems to be enough transgression for jason to happen upon them and even even before jason you know uh shelly and vera get into trouble with the biker gang you know so it's yeah it's kind of interesting. It's just like, you know, something like you need some sort of uh, responsible authority figure in like these scenarios to avoid bad shit from happening. I don't know. It's, it's odd. Yeah. Very odd. But again, I think, I think it's definitely trying to say something along those, uh, along those lines. Uh, the other thing I had, which I've kind of already elaborated on is that sentence that, um, Shelly has, it's better to be a jerk than a nothing. And I love how much we were able to talk about how is the movie like paralleling uh, Shelly to Jason. And that's why uh, Shelly is like the perfect person to pass on the torch with the the hockey mask to Jason. Um, I kind of loved us getting into all of that. I I think that that is gold, even just because of the fact that when we first are introduced to Shelly, he's got that kind of like transparent see-through mask on and he's trying to scare people. He's trying to, he's kind of like, already a monster of sorts when we first see him or already kind of what jason is at the end so yeah mm. the this the mirroring the similarities are real cool yeah yeah good point I'll, uh, that 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 translucent transparent um mask that he has it's, it's kind of creepy honestly it's i don't know why but it's creepier with like all the afro spillage that he has yeah i it. know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it looks weird <laughs> um do you have any sort of like in- wacky interpretations or anything you're able to tap into from this movie i know it's hard to with these friday 13th movies yeah i nothing as deep as yours i think the only thing that i had which we've already touched on is just chris facing her fear at the end the whole time she's very specifically scared of this man she met in the woods and this thing that happened and she's holding on to that and holding on to that fear the whole movie through until the end where she finally overcomes him only to have like the weird dream sequence and everything kind of undermine it a little bit but just the fate the facing face up to your fears overcome your fears uh i i got that a little bit probably simple and cheesy but i think it was there no i love that it's not simple or cheesy and it makes sense you know like (laughs) the bits obviously there um, I, I like yeah. that a lot, actually. Uh, it is time for the final segment of this show, Jasher. And where has the time gone? This has seemed like a quick recording. I, 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 right? I, <laughs> it's been over an hour. What's going on? <laughs> uh, it feels like we just sat down, but uh, we're already here at the Cabin in the Woods Trinket segment. 
So, Jasher, if you were to pick any movie prop or item from Friday the 13th Part 3 in 3D and put it in the basement of the Cabin in the Woods for some stupid teenager to come across and pick up and summon Jason Voorhees with a hockey mask to come get them, what would that be? All right. I've got two. My first one is that little gag prop that Shelly uses when it's like an axe that he tricks people as embedded in his head and it's like an axe connected to a little bit of wig or a little bit of his own hair color oh very good i think that would just be a funny little prop to have there (laughs) the other one a little bit meta but the friday the 13th part three in 3d glasses that i got with this movie it's the typical 3d glasses with a little imprint of jason's mask on it i think that that'll be a little bit of a cool thing to throw in there what else could those be you you gotta you gotta put in th- the 3D glasses. I love that, and it also feels like that would. For, I bet you, if you go into Shelley's little prop box, he's got 3D glasses in there. You know, like that feels like something that yeah, he would have. Yeah, that type <laughs> of guy. Yeah. Uh, great choices. I love that. Um, I'm actually surprised you didn't take the one I had. Honestly, the 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 thing that I want down there is the blood stained. Fangoria magazine down there with the uh, oh my goodness <laughs> bookmarking the Godzilla page yeah that's that's what I want down there <laughs> <laughs> it was right there yeah I didn't even click that's that's perfect with the blood on it specifically it'd be awesome yeah it's so good like somebody picking that up and like going through it it, it in you know it, it's a text of horror so it makes sense and it's yeah, drenched yeah. in blood like I'm telling you don't read it um or Tom Savini <laughs> will will mangle us yeah it's great <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I think as kind of like a joke, the other thing that I had was just all the shag carpeting that was on in the interior of the van. I just want like we walk into the basement, it's just a shag carpet. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> Maybe you lose a penny in it or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah who knows it. what's in there? Jasher, thank you so much for coming on today to talk about Friday the 13th Part 3 from 1982. Uh, Your performance today was outstanding, and I am so happy to be back doing the doing picking up this this uh, series again. I had to take a little bit of a break when I got married and my new job and everything, but uh, we we are not stopping. We are continuing Mm -hmm. on with this series. So thank you so much for for doing this with me. No, it is absolutely my pleasure. Yeah, I don't know where the time has gone. I'm so excited to get into the rest of this. Yeah, this this was a ton of fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening, everyone that's listening. Yes, absolutely. And please be sure everybody go check out Podzilla. It is a very fun and informational podcast. I always learn a lot from you guys you know, while I'm listening to it. I love, I love getting into like this different niche of kaiju uh, movies. Uh, they're great, and also check out their Patreon. You know, Podzilla's Patreon is very good. Um, follow them on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can find them at Podzilla on both sites. I'll put links in the show notes. Uh, it is November twenty first right now. So, would, do you want to like tease the folks about like any like what what uh, Godzilla movie you have coming yeah, up? Yeah, well, I appreciate the kind words. Thank you, Brucker. Uh, I feel like our podcast is ninety nine percent gagging around and joking around, so we do have to put a little bit of little put a little bit of <laughs> behind the scenes knowledge in there to equal it out, you know. But yeah, what's probably a great 
tease is that in December we're going to be covering Godzilla vs. Megalon, which was the movie that was featured in the Fangoria magazine and that. So little connection, tune in, Podzilla Pod, Podzilla in December to, to see what that movie's all about. That is fantastic, man. The the gods aligned for <laughs> for all that to right? happen. I, I freaking love it, <laughs> Jay Sure. Um, this was so much fun. I'm so excited to watch part four because we're now getting into territory that I haven't seen. I haven't seen part four. Oh my goodness. Have, have you not? I'm not. And I've been told it's like, oh. it's, I've been told it's good. So I'm very excited to see this. I'm excited for Crispin Glover to, to come into my life. Yeah. Crispin <laughs> Glover is a standout. Once you see him in this, you'll, you'll leave forever change just with some of the, some of the stuff he gets up to. So I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Yes, and if people are wondering why there wasn't a Robert, uh, or I'm sorry, a Roger Ebert review, because he didn't review this one, he stopped after two, which he did not like. So, <laughs> well, no, no, so no we Roger are, Ebert we're for We're trailblazing, this. you know. We're trailblazing. We're filling. <laughs> we'll fill Ebert's shoes for you going forward, guys. Yeah, yeah, filling his gaps. Um, I guess I did forget to ask this. Did for you know if you were to break these up. Because there's 12 movies, breaking them up into four quadrants. Which quadrant would you have this movie land into? Like your top one, your bottom one? What, what, what quadrant do you, see, do you see this falling into? Uh, this, is very, this is very much like a middling movie for me. Uh, I've loved it a lot more when I've seen it in the past, but this time around it's just very middle of the road, maybe even down into the lower half. Mm, yeah, I mean, I have a feeling that this series gets a lot worse and like uh, i'm pretty sure like when i watch some of them I'll be like man i missed the days where it's just part three it's such a slog um but i have a feeling it's going to be either like my middle or bottom quadrant but you know we'll see uh i i did kind of see this as possibly the franchise's first thud but um i don't know we'll see how they bounce back with part four yeah, it's exciting. It'll be exciting to see at the end where all these things rank. And I, I completely forgot as well, but in the gap between doing these episodes, was it true that A24 announced that they're doing a Camp Crystal Lake like spin-off TV show? On Peacock, yeah, which is yeah, which is bizarre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're doing the Camp Crystal Lake prequel movie, which is uh, like you and I talked about this on our part one episode, yeah. but. I, I, want, I want to see Pamela. I want to see her doing all sorts of mischievous shit. <laughs> I, I really, really, really hope that's the direction they take it. Um, because A24 loves to do scary women in their in their movies. So I'm excited to see <laughs> how this goes. Yeah, it's an exciting premise. I'm excited someone... It's so weird that A24 is taking it on, but I'm excited they're doing it instead of someone like Blumhouse, which I, I don't know. You might disagree or agree on how... how middle of the road some of those recent halloween movies were but yeah i'm excited we'll yeah. see how it lines up that might that might cap off the end of the series into this friday the 13th series we do who knows yeah you know that might be like more friday 13th content that we got to do for for you folks but um till next time i've been brucker i've been joined by jasher please be sure to follow me on twitter and instagram at brucker horror check out the patreon at patreon.com slash brucker horror thank you to cleveland james jasher and tiffany and be sure to watch some good movies. I'll see you guys next time. Bye. Awesome. <laughs>